Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham! Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Purrington, or Miss Barkington. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. We bring you articles and podcasts featuring the best in Austin comedy in all its shapes and formats. The podcast project began in early 2016. We love interviewing funny people and sharing their stories. I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations and will sometimes take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. Today, I talk with one of my favorite Austin comics. This is her second time on this podcast, and it was one of my most memorable interviews. Host of Offscript Comedy, Stand Up You Can Heckle, a show that regularly sells out, she'll be appearing at the Altercation Comedy Festival this month. In the last year, she's gone on tour, gotten married, taped a TV show, started a podcast, and who knows what else she's managed to add to her plate of activities that we don't even know about. Today, I bring her back to dish about the Austin comedy scene with me and talk podcasting. And now Comedy Wham presents our guest, Ariel Norman. Hey. Hey, welcome hey. back. Hey, thanks for that intro. <laughs> sure. Nice. Yeah. Uh, first things first, coffee this before you, you, re- you recorded this time? I had tea okay. this morning. Actually, <laughs> I have made um, a decision that I'm going to try to stop uh, being addicted to caffeine. Ah. I'm going to go back to my Mormon roots. Uh-huh. So I'm stepping down from coffee to tea. Mm. Uh, and then I'm going to, I'm going to move to, from black to green and then from green to herbal. But, and then I'm going to try to make drinking something that's just for the weekends ah. again. <laughs> I think those things go together. Like instead of chasing this dragon of my energy levels, you yeah. know, always that just every day I, I'm always like, what substance is next yeah. to make me feel okay? Oh, and that doesn't seem yeah. good, you know? Right. So. Yeah. Especially in the comedy scene where there's allegedly substances. Yeah, and I mean, I don't even do that many of those, yeah. but um, but it's still just something that we all seem to be fine with in this culture is, oh, I'm addicted to coffee in the morning, mm-hmm. and then whatever you do to get yourself through the afternoon, we all have several tactics, and then yeah. drink. you got to start drinking 
I mean, not that I do every day, but even just one or two, it's just it's the money, the calories, and then, mm-hmm. and then the next day, even more so yeah. do you need that, you know, or, or at night, you're like, I need a little bit more. So I'm going to have a little caffeine, a little alcohol, just try to, you yeah. know, and if I think if I st- stop being addicted to caffeine, maybe I can get my energy levels. You, see, you thought that if I didn't drink coffee, <laughs> that I wouldn't go off on tangent. <laughs> Saying, there was a minor hope. Worry. There was a minor hope. Don't no. worry. I'll still or always my be the expectations same. completely off. But filter. maybe I'll talk. I will talk <laughs> more slowly. Oh, okay. All right. So you can jump in and stop <laughs> ah, me. Okay. If you need gotcha. To. Gotcha. Well, I don't know. I know that your personality type is to do the homework mm. before you you step into any you know form or adventure. Do you remember? Because you know my icebreaker question is one word to describe your past. Do you remember what your word was on your first? I think it was that OCD or something. Yep, it was yep, yeah, okay. Yep. And you had conferred with Katie, yeah, on that. And then uh, do you, uh, we'll just skip ahead. Do you remember what your your future word was? Something like faith, maybe, or like uh, I, you know, um, so, something probably like that. But I don't know. It's no. joyful. Joyful. Oh, yeah. that's nice. That yeah. seems like a nice idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> joyful. <laughs> I think I might be giving up hope on. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no! I'm not in a not in a negative way. Yeah, just in terms of, um, you know, it's one, probably one of those missteps is to think that like one day you're going to be significantly just more joyful mm. all the sure, time. Sure. I think like learning to accept this rocky road we call life yeah. is is part of what makes joy possible. I think mm. I want to be present more than anything mm. now, and I think there we you have to be present in order to get the joy. Right. So in that way, you know, but I want to be present for all of it, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. You and I sat down last September and oh. you had, I mean, we actually had to schedule pretty carefully because you were about to go on tour with mm-hmm. Katie, your then fiance. Mm-hmm. Then you got married, you taped for the TV show and uh, you started a podcast. And before, Mike, you were talking about how you're starting a second podcast. Mm-hmm. So, like, your plate is brimming. Yeah, it always is. Yeah. Um, so, do you, I had a note about the, um, what you had hoped to get out of the tour that you went on. And now that it's been nearly a year since you went on tour and did that, did you feel like that gave you that, that opportunity to be the ambassador of Austin comedy? And was it as fun and exciting as you, yeah, you wanted I it mean, to be? I definitely, I definitely represented Austin, um, to the places that I went for sure. I think they all, um, certainly had a respect for, uh, for what I was doing and made a lot of connections yeah. and, um, hopefully, you know, more people will come out here, um, just if, for visiting, if not, if we're not moving here. Um, I would say I just, I got so much out of the tour. It's hard to even describe, but you have to, it really threw me into this place of, I really can't have a set list before I get, get to the venue, at least. Really? Yeah. Um, I never knew because, you you know, when, when you're living in a scene, then, okay, I've been to this venue before. Mm -hmm. Even when it's a different show, you've kind of been to the venue, you kind of know the demographics that are going to be there. Um, or you've done the show before or, or the mic before. And, and so you can predict before and mull over, oh, what do I want to do for these people? Mm -hmm. And then you, when you get there, you might be able to kind of change plans if you need to, but you can do a lot of preparation. 
and it, and it might work out fine. But I was in different cities, states, cl- places. I had no idea what what they were like at all. Yeah. So showing up, I just learned, and I didn't want to spend the the time in the day. You know, we we're trying to have fun, or yeah. we're cooking in our campsite, or we're going to a museum, or whatever we're doing, yeah. um, or visiting with friends and family. I didn't want to sit there and and think like, oh, what should my set list be? And so I just got used to showing up and assessing the situation and maybe sketching out uh, set lists. But also I I got to the point where what I would do is think of um, a possible opener or two, a possible closer or two, Mm -hmm. and... Yeah, kind of think vaguely in my brain about some of the content I might do, but then listening and and really, I prefer to start the set either riffing off something that just happened or doing a little crowd work, kind of starting somewhere really present. And yeah. so, if, if I if I could hmm. think of something to do, then starting that way and then letting the conversation let it letting it be a conversation and letting that happen, and then once you get that light. You know, you can kind of find your way to a closer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that became like uh, kind of out of necessity. And it, it very quickly got to the point because a lot of stuff I was headlining, whether that was even a headlining of a 15, 20, 25 um, minute set. I did one 45 minute set in Pensacola. It was really awesome. Wow. Um, and I got to the point where. Yeah, 20 minutes. I doesn't even <laughs> I don't care. I don't need to have a set list. But what's what's interesting is that then being back in Austin, I get, get back to this push and pull of oh, I need to be uh, very well prepared and tight, especially when FPI Moon Tower, FPIA, um headlining punch. Like there was th- mm-hmm. there were things that I felt more high pressure about and so for a minute I was kind of losing that. Um, huh. Okay. And it, it got to the point where when I headlined Punch, it went fine, but it, it wasn't what I wanted it to be. Mm. And, and I realized I had gotten, I had strung, gotten strung tight again and, and was being more prepared. Uh, mm. instead of having that faith in myself and my ability to do crowd work and to, to riff and to have, to have a loose plan mm-hmm. when you're doing something that is, um, you know, headlining a really good show, you want to yeah. do a good job. I don't want to be completely unprepared. But anyway, so that night I went and then did the show at the Gatsby, which happens every Tuesday night at 930 and is free. And, um, <laughs> and it's one of my favorite shows to do because it's sort of unofficially a riffing themed show. Okay. And I went and did that and I was like, oh, that's right. This is what's fun. Uh, and ever since then, I've been really trying to stay into that Mm -hmm. last night at the institution theater there's the laugh out proud show um and i just went up i would just force myself to go up there without a plan i still you know i have a million jokes that i can always you know um and it was so good it was just for for me i mean the audience was having a pretty good time but it was um i tried new stuff that i'd kind of half thought of i was riffing i was doing and that's I, i realized that some like watch Martin Arbano on Jimmy Kimmel mm-hmm. and what he it's so good I mean I have the utmost respect it's <laughs> awesome but he's 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 been honing his act mm-hmm. for a long time and yeah. there's people who are honing their act which is beautiful I'm honing a skill set more than an act okay there's always the act there's always the joke writing I mean I spend an enormous amount of time writing and thinking and talking and working on yeah. jokes off stage yeah. but what I'm really working on is trying to be um, 
someone who can do crowd work like that and riffing. And then there are also the jokes and you can make it into this conversation. Um, I, I don't really want to be the, this, I'm, I'm not really trying to hone an act. You know what I mean? I'm trying yeah, yeah. to become right. somebody. And, and so I um, was listening to, um, uh, Big J Ogerson's crowd work album, which I didn't even realize mm-hmm. existed until a couple days ago. And I already loved him because I saw him at Moon Tower and I became yeah. a convert. But then listening to that, I was like, oh man, it's, he's officially he's my hero currently. You know, like mm-hmm. I've had a few and it kind of kind of shit, but currently he is just, I, and we even have, we joke about the same topics. So, uh. <laughs> so like JT Kelly has, um, He's, he called me the Wario version of Ellen, which is, uh, you know, I love that um, very much. But my real thing is, like, one day people will see me more like, oh, it's like a girl, Big J. Ogerson, or whatever that kind of way, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or a gender-neutral, you know, lesbian vagina person <laughs> version of whatever. It's really a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was, it's, it was, it's interesting listening to you talk about the skill set that you're trying to develop in yourself, because... Because that, to me, was a theme that came out from when you last visited is with the various shows that you were doing, the heckle, and I, th- I think there was something, it was the off-script concept of just don't come in prepared. Well, so the whole heck- thing was called off-script, but then there were four themes. Oh, that's right. That's so right. there was the riffing, and then the heckling, and then the crowd work, and then this director's cut. Um, and I, I do think, because now I do it once a month at the New Movement, which has been awesome. It's mm-hmm. it's just been really great at the New Movement. But, um, and we have free pizza and drinks, wink, wink. We're not allowed to say what kind of drinks, but wink, wink, um, uh-huh. and prizes. Anyway, um, first Thursdays at 9.30 at New Movement, $5. So... <laughs> Uh, but now I'm doing the heckling theme once a month. Mm-hmm. But I do think I might, maybe not for October, because I've been trying to force Karina to do the heckling theme, and she did crowd work at Hideout the first time. So we won't change it for this one. But I think in November I'm going to make it a special one where it's it still will be heckling allowed, uh-huh. but where it's an all crowd work uh, okay. one. So I might, and then I might do a riffing one like that too, you know, and start kind of sprinkling in. Yeah. Um, these, yeah. you know, because there's no reason we can't do riffing and heckling. Right, right. Yeah. Efficiency. I'm all about efficiency. Yeah. <laughs> well, and running a show once a month is much better for my life. Yeah. I'm so glad that I did that. I mean, yeah. talk about gaining the skill sets, yeah, and, and forcing myself to, yeah. to do those things. And, you know, you have to kind of keep putting yourself through all these different ropes and challenges mm-hmm. and stuff. If you want to become a better comic, you have to travel, you have yeah. to create your own tours, you have to do shows, mm-hmm. you have to do bold things. If you want to keep pushing yourself to be better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, I just went to Denver for four nights of comedy a couple weeks ago and I'm going to LA in October and, just got to keep. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Are we? We're, no, because okay. you know, you Katie lives. Asking, Katie, right. we're going li- to, I'll be based out of here, but uh-huh. I may be gone more often. So you're going to do soon. the MK Paulson model? Well, maybe? not quite, but, but I think that it could be that 2018 is the year of uh, me either, yeah, going back and forth to, um, to a few cities or doing more tours um, by myself yeah. uh, as opposed to, you know, I can't do any romantic getaways with Katie anymore. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, uh, congratulations Thanks. on uh, the, the, the marriage in uh, Waxahachie. Waxahachie. Wait, is that where Glenrose is here? Uh, 
No, because I think Glen Rose is west of 35. I think Waxahachie is between the two arms of 35, the, oh, okay. the one that goes to Fort Worth versus Dallas. We are losing everybody right now. Okay. Well, I was just curious why you brought up Waxahachie. <laughs> oh, because I, I remember, because you were married there, right? In Glen Rose. In Glen, oh. I think you made that thing. up. Should, I am, I did make that up, didn't I? Some okay. other lesbian friend. Just some other gay wedding. <laughs> yeah. So we were just. It's probably homophobic of you to even have said that. <laughs> Did I? Are you putting words in my mouth? I'm just putting thoughts. You know. <laughs> oh God. Direction I'm of reasoning. Red now. Uh, let's see. Okay, we're just gonna cut all that out. I think. But I could see no. <laughs> it in Katie's voice, being like, "Yeah, we got married, wax the hatch." Like you know, I could see that you would think that. Well, I guess what I was thinking too is like I know that part of the state super conservative super conservative Roger Williams is the state representative you know I grew up in Burleson which isn't too far from Glen Rose so I'm like oh man well but you know they You're only on invited friends property. and family. You're yeah. on private property. I'm sure it's a very loving, wonderful environment where you didn't have to deal with jackasses. You know, <laughs> Katie and I are not, and it is, I'll start with a disclaimer that it is probably easier to be a cute lesbian couple than to be whatever else. But um, I remember, because I'm not very good always with strangers, but... Katie is a great ambassador for me. So when we walked into this coffee shop that already had some like just religious stuff out front and mm-hmm. inside and whatever, which doesn't bother. We go to church every Sunday yeah. anyway, but they could, there was a thing where they obviously knew that we were a lesbian couple or, you know, we're kind of wondering yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I look the way I look, you know, Katie could pass if she needed to, especially in rural Texas, but, but I look the way I look. And so there, there's a little bit of distrust, but Katie is just so kind and outgoing and, yeah. and like just starts talking to them about uh, the dying or whatever, yeah, just whatever. Disarming. Intent, disarming. Yeah. yeah. And so she's just being so friendly and whatever that, that they, uh, you know, very quickly their yeah. demeanor toward us was open and like, Oh yeah, have a great one. Whatever, you know? Yeah. And so, that's the thing, like, we, if you, if we walked in there defensive and being like, y'all better serve us coffee or else we're calling the ACLU, right, right. then it wouldn't have been great, but, but they were just kind and there's no reason to talk about our disagreements yeah, in this right, case. Right. And so we just had a wonderful, and it was, it would be like that where if people might give us a look for half a second and mm. then if we have any engagement with them at all, they're just, you know, going to be charmed yeah. by us. So. Right. Right. So we made Making people less homophobic yeah. in Glen Rose. Awesome. Pretty sure. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Will you visit my hometown now? Sure. We'll do our, <laughs> we go, just go on the tour of de-homophobic, de-homophobicizing. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There we go. Dictionary.com. The de-homophobicizing yeah. tour. <laughs> so I'm going to pick up on a couple of other things that came up during our last interview before we finally move on to just modern day. Word. <laughs> One of my favorite things actually is during interviews because what I have found is sometimes people don't like admitting who their early influences were. Like uh, they're ashamed. They have that's interesting. Yeah. And so my, my go-to when, when I can sense that somebody is like, oh, you know, I love Jeff Foxworthy and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm like, hey, you know, I had somebody who said with no, no hint of, of shame, 
Garfield and Friends. Yep. And if anybody ever wonders who that was, it's it's you, Ariel. And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, especially with your upbringing, that's yeah. what you were exposed to. And I mean, it's funny. Yeah. It's just you know, it's not conventionally funny, but wherever you pick up your comedic influences, I was, you know, also six, but or whatever. Um, that's so funny. I wonder if I. I think I had just watched an episode again for some. Oh, so it was on the brain. Thing that it was yeah. on my brain that I. But I loved that as a kid, and I still. I. I mean, I think I like Garfield the the cartoon books more for how cute Garfield. A certain yeah. um, certain years, he was very. He was drawing him real cutely. Mm-hmm. Very nice. <laughs> little um, proportions of the curves and you know but in other ones he's less cute but I don't know I, I don't even remember whether it was funny it's like yeah. I, I read Archie books for a long time that was also just escapism mm. from like a bad childhood you mm. know it wasn't every now and then I would get a chuckle but yeah, yeah. yeah. I really liked cute stuff so right. that's probably really what that's yeah. about well, that's, that's that's really funny for you to say given the, what I would categorize as the majority of your material well. is just very not cute <laughs> It's great. It's just not cute. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you you were on the Stand Up Empire taping, mm-hmm. which you know, elephant in the room. There's a lot of controversy, but let's focus on sure the experience of taping for a TV show. I mean, it, how you know it was awesome. Um, you were great. I was in that audience, oh, and you, you were. Just amazing. I had a, the time of my life. Yoga with Adrian was there, and I got to hang out with her for a couple hours. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting because I think about high pressure situations a lot, and mm-hmm. I and I always wonder like, how would I deal with that? And I, and I think part of it is. Um, you know, Brentley really made us all feel really comfortable and valued, uh-huh. and pumped up and I and and I mean I also got to go like third or fourth in the night it was a perfect yeah, time yeah. Oh, the energy was good Raul I think it was right after Raul and okay. he Raul Sanchez has just killed it and of course and so like of course and, and it was just the perfect yeah timing i don't know and they're such a good and i'm i'm just buoyed up by a good audience if you yeah. give me an audience that gives me a little mm-hmm. and i'll yeah. i'll take that confidence yeah. and run with it and so yeah, it was awesome. And I hope that it's still going to come out. And, um. Well, and now you're, I mean, you're performing often enough that people can see you. I, I, I will say this, and I, I may have mentioned this to you that night. One of the things that I really loved, because I think it had been a time since I had last seen you perform. Mm. And one of the things that I loved in the evolution of your, your skill set mm-hmm. is, you have talked in the past about how you're pretty solid in one space and like movement has not always been something that's part of your, your routine. And what you did that night wasn't necessarily big animated. You know, it's not MK Paulson level movement on the stage, mm-hmm. but it was like small, subtle movements that paint a disturbing picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, like, I'm just, I am always impressed with how you push yourself in little nuanced ways. And when I saw that in your performance, I'm like, she really pushed herself to do incorporate movement, but in such like a comfortable way for yeah. you. Yeah. You know, who's to say you maybe you won't turn into the MK Paulson movement yeah. level of, of movement, but that small, deliberate, forceful 
yeah. incorporation was just fantastic. Yeah, I think I'm really, I try to find ways to incorporate little movements mm-hmm. um, so I'm, so that I don't have to just have it in my head, like, just move around, Ariel, move around the stage. Like, yeah. that's, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and so if I have a bit that just incorporates it naturally, then I'm going to do that. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to be a mime. I'm not trying to, yeah. you know, just pace like Chris Rock or something. I want to be myself and I want to do it in a comfortable way. But that the ingrown pube bit, you know, just forces, you know, <laughs> that's just in there. Yeah. And I've always been someone who facial expressions really are a big part of my humor, but Mm -hmm. I never really thought about that as much when I first started. But that's something that Katie really would talk about. She's like, your facial expressions are the funniest part about you. And so, like, you have to, you know, do more of that. And I have noticed there's, there's those times where you get a laugh just on a look or you tell a joke Mm -hmm. and then they're not sure. And so then I do like a, there's certain facial expressions where then they laugh at that. Especially if they're, there's jokes you say every now and then where they could feel sorry for you instead of laughing. (laughs) And if you make the right face, then it triggers, it allows them to be like, oh, we're laughing at her with her, you know? Right. Um, and then I have a new, I have a new joke that I just wrote that, um, it incorporates me like actually dancing around a lot and there's a lot of movement. Oh, wow. So, uh, that's just part of it because that's, it's inherent to the joke. And yeah. so I'm excited about that. And I'm, yeah, I think, I think it's just something where I can't force myself to go from zero to 60, but I, mm-hmm. yeah, I evolve little, little bit at a time, just yeah. getting more. I actually on the way over here, I, I was thinking, uh, again, I've thought this before, but I was reminded by something. Oh, by this invisibilia uh, podcast. Ah. Um, that I, I really want to take like, just a few ballet classes. Oh, I think that would be really yeah. interesting for me. I always think like, oh, I should take an improv class to get more free in my body, mm-hmm. which it probably would help too. But I think like I would really force myself. And if I could take a ballet class, but I don't know. I tried to look into it. It's hard to find one that's for adults casually. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I like to do it for three to six weeks, not pay that much money and also well, yeah. have it be earnest, but not too <laughs> intense. I don't know. So if anyone's listening to this and you, you want to teach me ballet, yeah. we can start a meetup or we could just, we'll do a thing. Oh, we we all go. can meet pay up. you 25 bucks and we can all meet for however long that's mm-hmm. worth to you. Okay. You know what I mean? Let's set up a, a rogue, just DIY. If you know anything about you, <laughs> if you know anything about Ariel, she's always looking for like that next. I'll trade you up. some cast iron skillets for some ballet lessons. <laughs> I got a lot of cast iron skillets right now, among other things. <laughs> feel free to feel free to message me on Facebook and see what I have to sell. <laughs> I also sell vegetables. All right. Anything else? Well, I had we haven't gotten to the plugs portion. Of well, I like in the back of the CRV. I kind of have accidentally started a flea market, so. <laughs> Um, if after the if I've driven there after a show, I've got I've always got stuff to sell. If anyone's interested, <laughs> we're just gonna take a pause here and we're gonna go downstairs, go check out what's in the mm-hmm. back of the CRV. I don't cook enough so that a, a skillet would. There's clothing. Yeah, there's clothing. Oh, I well look. There's a briefcase. A briefcase. Nah, I work from home. Fine. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Let's move on. All right. So. When you started your podcast, Leading the Blind, mm-hmm. as the comedy wham person for, I guess, close, uh, where did I, I have my notes somewhere, but I'm not here. Darn it. 50 some odd episodes? No, you're not quite at a year. Darn it. 
Oh, me? I had, yeah, Leading the lead. Blind? I think we're at like 35 episodes. Okay. So some that's so then this year it started. Yes, February it started. Yes. I don't know. I guess I didn't save my document, but February is when you started. I have to tell you that I felt a tinge of uh, jealousy. Uh, like I was stepping on your like, toes. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, oh man, you know, she's so much better at, at things. No, and, no, 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 no. You know, I'm a, I'm a just a fan, and uh, I'm gonna be out of, out of commission in no time. So I know that when I first saw that you were doing a podcast, and not like you ran it by me, you know, not like you needed to run it by me. I was like, oh, it didn't even man. occur to me that we might be competing in some way. That's why <laughs> I, I would have yeah. if, if I thought you might have thought anything yeah. like that. And and I. I was hooked on the first episode because I thought, well, what I'm doing really is as a fan mm-hmm. of comedy. And I think that as a fan, I ask questions that are basically skimming the top. Mm-hmm. But as a performer yourself, you're really getting into nitty gritty. Well, I also think that you're not just skimming the top necessarily, but you're asking the questions that a fan would want to know, yeah. whereas I'm asking questions that other comics really need to know. Mm-hmm. And so I think you sometimes get deeper than the surface, and sometimes mm-hmm. my questions are surface level, but but yeah. these are just questions that are coming from a different perspective of, of need, really. Yeah. yeah. So so it's been, you know, I've I've since gotten past those feelings of you're jealousy. Me, okay. Yeah, I forgive me. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, so we're announcing today the comedy blind. No, no, we're yeah. not. <laughs> Although leading the wham. Yeah, Ooh, that sounds. <laughs> what is that? That sounds. That's a different podcast mm-hmm. altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are. I think we're we're releasing this under a two two yeah, different thing. Yeah. Um, so with the podcast, as somebody who I, I view as one of these high intellectual curiosity type. Um, you really were interested in learning from others about how to make yourself better? or yeah. I, I mean, I remember those initial episodes. You were like, you know, for people that are new in comedy, which was well-timed for me, because, you know, unbeknownst to me when I started Comedy Wham, as a fan, I have dipped my toe. Um, How's that going? Uh, oh, well, <laughs> you know, it's that you sure you don't want to just be a fan? <laughs> well, you know, the the premise was... That I thought if I did it, mm-hmm. I would be able to ask better questions and feel ah. really feel like I knew what it felt like to write that first set, to go on stage, to bomb and to tank. And I feel that those are all true. And I do, I don't know if it's just my sense of self has changed, but I definitely feel like my interviewing style is better because of the experience. My cautionary tale to myself is because I'm doing it now, am I more, am I going to start asking more of the questions that are in the leading the blind category where it's really the process and it's like, well, I gotta, I gotta think of myself as a fan. Well, you know what? I wouldn't even worry about it um, at all. I mean, I think so, and especially in the beginning, more of the questions were oriented toward 
how do you do comedy um but you know my vision for the podcast was always that this was more about comedy careers than anything else mm-hmm. and because there is nowhere really that i've ever found where people are asking really direct questions yep. consistently you never know you can find little pockets on this podcast or interview here mm-hmm. or is there some podcasts that are about clean christian comics and how you do that or, um but so i just wanted there to be a place that's like hey let's ask other comics mm-hmm what they're doing and try to figure out the different possibilities for careers. And I'm also really interested, and depending on who the guest is, if they run a really good show, I'm going to want to ask them about how they built that show up. Or if there's certain skills that they have or something mm-hmm. about their writing, I'm definitely going to want to ask them anything that I want to know, honestly. Yeah. Um, and we try to add some questions in there that are also specifically for for newer comics, um, you know, what's the thing that you would tell yourself in your first right. year, that kind of thing, or what's the best advice that was ever given you? And lots of things will come up that I think, naturally, that I think will be good for uh, newer comics, but that was really um, Jared's influence more than anything that, that he wanted to ask about those questions. And I think mm-hmm. that we were probably... Um, having two different things in mind. And so hopefully he'll start a podcast and maybe you'll have to be competing with him. Oh man. Um, for <laughs> those things are, you know, uh, because I think, I think there's, there's so much room to ask people and because we're yeah. all fascinated by yeah. process and I, some, the process yeah. is something that's really, really interesting yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're fascinated by all the work that goes into mm-hmm. it and, fi- and figuring out what it's like. Um, I just really, that's my thing is trying to figure out this career. I'm 31 years old. My mm-hmm. wife is 32. We want to have children. Mm-hmm. I want to figure out how to have as much of this life as possible. I yeah. want to figure out how to really enjoy life and do comedy and, and reach the highest heights of the career in, in the way that I want, that I can, yeah. while still being able to make money and have children yeah. and have a <laughs> home where she gets to have um, a really cool farm, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's my focus. And so I think that... So I think that it's cool that you're, you know, so invested that you're doing open mics and then you want to talk to people about those things. And as you, as you go along, you know, not that, not that you have to run out of people, but especially when you circle back to people and you're wanting to ask deeper questions, Mm -hmm. please ask them questions about, uh, about doing comedy that don't, you know, never worry about stepping on leading the blind. Yeah. In other words, (laughs) people, I mean, who knows how many people are even, you no, know, no one's listening to ours. Are we listening no. to are people listening to both and being like, I've already heard that. I mean, if right. they are listening to both, they're such fans yeah. or you know, friends or whatever that they are. They don't care. They're yeah. fine with it. Yeah. It would be like seeing someone stand up set twice. Probably some of it's going to be different anyway. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. yeah. And there have been a couple of times where we've had a guest come out at about the same time, and and I have never walked away thinking, oh, well, they just heard that on mine. Like there has been enough of a difference that. It's like if somebody chooses to listen to both of them, they're going to hear two hours of largely different content. So, yeah, um, I'm wondering as as we if if we can shift to what have you learned from it? And I know what you wanted to learn from it, but how how much are you taking away lessons learned during leading the blind versus affirming your own abilities and your your own process as a comic? Yeah, I think it's been an interesting push-pull, maybe, uh, for that, because 
most a lot of times people are saying stuff and and it like there are times when I'm just patting myself on the back like mom are you doing that (laughs) (laughs) on the right track Um, but people have also given me ideas and I'm like Uh oh I'm going to try that yeah Uh, and but but a lot of it because again it is so much about career for me a lot of it has just been me listening to people and piecing together sometimes even between the lines like Oh, this is what's going on mm. with people's comedy careers right now. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of disillusionment, which I kind of, I kind of expected yeah. <laughs> to be disillusioned, but in terms of how people are making their money, how much they're making and not making, yeah. where it's coming from, what the options are. And so, I mean, I think I've, I've put together in my mind, at least a partial picture because I don't know even next year where I'll all be going. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think going to LA in October will give me some more insight. I know that I have no idea what is going to happen there. Sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, I know I, th- I think for me this the podcasts are the way to go in terms of um being able to build an audience. So the new podcast that's coming out is going to be called Gender Fluids. Okay. And it's Austin Smart <laughs> and me uh, talking about sex and gender and uh-huh. all kinds of yeah. uh, topics like that. And um, and it's going to be, of course, irreverent and yeah. interesting and funny. But, you know, we're, neither of us is straight down any kind of party lines in terms of the way we think about stuff. So I think we're going to have really interesting conversations and eventually we'll start interviewing people as well. But that's a podcast that we're going to edit a lot while we are editing mm-hmm. um, a lot and making it so this isn't going to be one of those podcasts where oh it's two hours and 20 minutes long this week and do we edit <laughs> of course we don't <laughs> you know um, with the leading the blank podcast I mean there's a little bit of editing that happens sure. but there's not a lot of in, in you know cleaning it up right um and that's partly because it's fine because we're interviewing someone and getting um, advice and mm-hmm. that, that kind of lends itself to or listening to the whole thing. But with this, we want this to be really, with Junior Fluids, we want it to be just super entertaining and interesting and funny. And so with that, and we want to make shorter episodes, you know, um, especially at first where we can... And, you know, try to consistently come out every week with, and maybe it's a 20-minute episode, but it's fun and it's, you know what yeah. I mean? And... That way, when people introduce me on stage, I'm like it's always fine. When they say, oh, she hosts Leading the Blind, I'm like, first of all, you didn't say what that was. Right. <laughs> Secondly, no one cares except for other comics and make three people mm-hmm. tops in this room. And so it's like, I guess just the idea that I have a podcast is fine. Just like they say, oh, they run a show, whatever. It gives you, it is some cred. Maybe, yeah. maybe in the audience's mind, they're like, okay, that, this person must be worth paying attention to. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but when they say she uh, hosts a podcast called Gender Fluids, yeah, and then I walk on stage and do what I do, then the people who come up to me instead of just saying nice set afterwards will start to say, "Hey, what was that podcast?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you know I have cards, and then instead of you know when I'm when I am touring in one capacity or another. Instead of it being like, here's some sticker, you want to buy some stickers and some things that mm-hmm. you have to invest a lot, and are you even going to make money? Much less get your money back, all that. Instead, you just promote the podcast, yeah. And that way, you're not asking them to buy anything. There's no awkwardness of, hey, uh, just pass me by the door, and <laughs> awkwardly, hey, good yeah. set. No, I'm not supporting you. You know, yeah. no. Instead, hey, check out my podcast, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then eventually, you add the Patreon stuff and all that. Donate right. here, Amazon. That way, a fraction of the people who listen 
give you money, right. support what you do. And I think that's, I mean, that's what other people are doing. I'm not saying anything new, yeah, but yeah. Um, that's not the, the thing for everyone. Some people are using YouTube and really some people, you know, there, I don't, I don't know what everybody does, tries to get on TV, becomes a writer, whatever. Um, I don't like bosses. I don't like following a lot of rules. I don't like having a lot of rules. You know, uh, I really want to have an independent career, but I also, I, but I also don't want to be, I, I'm hoping not to be like an unknown touring comic for the rest of my life either. I want to take this far. Yeah. Um, but I do think that that's the path for me. Mm-hmm. And at least right now, I mean, God only knows what's going to happen in three years or 10 years or whatever mm-hmm. in terms of the new technologies and platforms and things that people are doing. But for me right now, I think that this is the way for me to move forward in my career is to have this podcast mm-hmm. that is something that I'm really proud of. That's something that's really in the topics that I want to talk about yeah. and, you know, really representative. I get to work with someone, you know, my best friend in comedy and um i think it's gonna be awesome and i'm just like and that's what but that's something i pieced together from jake flores's episode you know and from the the new york comic who he teaches classes mm-hmm. and actually i've started oh, teaching yeah. um comedy oh. to people a little bit just one-on-one cool. sessions um that started because the stripper at my uh, bachelor party <laughs> wanted to and i <laughs> Uh, so I was coaching her for a bit for free and um oh, wait yeah coaching her in comedy yes okay, yeah no right, she right. I have nothing you to teach her and you know. I have nothing to teach her in terms of dancing um she taught me she could teach you the ballet she, oh she maybe I don't know if she, I'll have to ask her if she also knows classical <laughs> ballet but you could be right um she could definitely teach me something yeah but yeah, I've started doing that and um, making a little bit. But so it's, it's stuff like that where I'm like, I got to figure out how to. Ma- yeah. I spend so many hours of my week um, doing this, and I have to figure out ways to to. And, and that's the whole point: is to make money in a way that I enjoy. I love yeah. teaching. I love. I write down notes of so many comic sets hmm. that some of them I tell them, some of them I don't because yeah. maybe we don't have a relationship or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I lo- I think critically all the time about it, and I love coaching. You know, I love yeah, yeah. talking to people about the craft and so if I can I'm I'm considering trying to start a comedy class too where just something where we get maybe eight people together for however many weeks and we do something where mm-hmm. we're workshopping each other's jokes um, I have some uh, like kind of activities whatever so what do you call them like um Oh shoot! Uh, you know what I'm talking. No, just just like little teaching activities. I just can't think of the word I want, but that that are fun to do for comics. Just mm-hmm. that, but you can't really do it unless you have an organized situation. You're not going to get eight friends together and be like, okay, everyone's going to take turn going up to the microphone, and we're going to yell out just whatever first comes to mind about your your appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something that. I got in a in the class that I took to get me started in a comedy. We walked up there on the first day before we knew each other at all and took turns just standing on stage at the mic and then people would just yell out what they thought of you. Oh wow. But it really helps because otherwise people walk up all the time. You see it all the time with especially new comics where it's like you clearly don't know how people see you. Mm-hmm. You clearly don't know. And 
so anyway, I, I have like, but that's the thing. So you got to piece together right. you, these different ways to actually make money, just like you occasionally make money at shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's never going to be enough. It's yeah, not enough for right. anyone unless they're already famous enough to, you know, do what Louis C.K. does mm-hmm. and just charge your own, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, you're always going to have to find multiple revenue streams and, right, right. and build these things. I'm reminded of uh, talking with, everybody knows this, my favorite New York City comic, Dave Hill. And one of the things from his interview was always try something at least once. And to that end, you know, I, I think you're more deliberate than that, but you're, you seem to always be looking for something to try at least once. And I mean, you, you go full on. I think his his perspective was if somebody asks you to do something, never say no because you yeah. don't know what it what it could turn turn into. But I guess a tangent of that is always go for something at least once and put put your all in it. Uh, and you know you you don't know what might what rewards might might come back totally. from it. So totally, yeah. Um, I, I kind of feel like I want to start into a, a dish sure. talk. Like, let's talk about our, our, our Austin comedy scene and uh, the things that we've observed because we talk to so many comics and what we see happening in Austin. There's the natural, and this, I mean, I can certainly say from when this started that there's the natural, okay, here's the flight of people off to L.A., here's yeah. the flight of people off to New York, and the people that are going to be here, the people that are committing fully to comedy versus the people that are doing this as a as a hobby, if you will. Yeah. Um, I have been feeling really uneasy the last, I guess, last month or so. Because I feel like, and maybe this is, we're growing as a scene, and so I'm seeing beefs all the time. Really? And I'm like, okay, is this just part, I mean, is this just part of becoming a bigger scene? And then I'm seeing, the other thing that I'm observing is, like, there's a couple of open mics that have gone away, and I'm like, like, I was looking at the schedule for Saturday night, Mm -hmm. and... You know, we're down to one open mic on a Saturday night, which as, as somebody that is, you know, at the, the open mic levels, it's like, man, that's kind of a bummer. Well, though, speaking of which, I just saw today that there's going to be a new one next week. Um, huh? Saturdays sign up at seven, <laughs> go on at seven thirty. It's, uh, it's the cenote that's not the Friday night cenote. Ah. There's some other cenote. And it looks like Austin Silver and Kelly Shea are going to be hosting that. Ah, so there's going to okay. be another open mic. Okay, good. Good. So, and because you've been performing in Austin a lot longer, is that is that just the the ebb and flow? It's. I think about that too. And you know, I I, I got here at an interesting time in January 2015 because the scene at that point had just sort of like I think broken through in its growth. It had been really growing steadily since 2012 mm-hmm. um, from all the interviews I've done and yeah. like I've been learning about this. It's been growing in general but 2012 there was kind of a wave yeah. and then 2015 like by that time just lots of open mics every night and um, and lots of shows. Since then I would say that we have way more shows than we yeah. we ever used hmm. to have and a lot of them are good and yeah. there's I think there's room for tons of shows yeah um, and they're the open mics it just seems like they come and go and we we basically I, 
think we pretty much maintain a decent average. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Of like, so there's what four on Mondays, and, and and some people don't know about all. There's all these little like, so there's slaughterhouse on Mondays. There's also slaughterhouse if that's even still happening. Actually, um, sorry, little Woodrow's is just mm. called something. Yeah, uh, the little Woodrow's um, down at Slaughter South Laughter is that call it, and. Um, that's happening on Tuesday. It's a mic that's music and comedy. Like, there's stuff like that that I don't even, not everything even always makes it to last gas completely or... So if you're, if you're deeper into the scene, I mean, there's just a ton of stage time, I think, but some of it doesn't get put up on there because there's little, there are little clicks here and there. Um, I like I had to teach the people who were doing the new one at Buffalo Billiards like hey you put it on last gas but you didn't put it on any of the Facebook pages uh-huh. so why would anyone have come three mm-hmm. th- there's the reason three people are here or not uh-huh. you know um so I think that the the open mics are are coming and going and and staying pretty constant mm-hmm. and and I think that the talent level I hope it continues to rise but I have seen that where I fear that it's not anymore. It hasn't, that it's kind of plateaued because we do lose the really good comics and there aren't as many people who are interested in staying. And the the ones who are, there's just this gap where, um, and and then a lot of them don't really do the open mics. The ones who are good and established and, and, and whatever, they really do the open mics. They, some some of them have some shows and that's good, but um, they're just a little bit more of a quieter presence. I think the newer comics don't interact with them as much. Aren't yeah. really sure if they should book all of them on shows. They're doing their own thing on all the record these albums sometimes, but yeah. you're like, wait, who who is? Uh, well, I mean, I was just talking to John Ramsey the other day mm-hmm. after he saw him. I th- I thought he just was great at the Six Shooter show, and and I thought. I was like, oh, he must live in L.A. now. Oh. He seems so confident. Whatever he said, no, he's got a kid, and he right. just um, hasn't really been doing it. But he's going to record an album in a few months. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, man, well, yeah, in January. He's like, in January, I'll kind of start up again to, to rev up for the album. I was like, hey, just let me know. I'll put you on all my shows, like get you all the stage time you want yeah. in order to do that. And yet, it's just this weird disconnect where that's happening but there's this middle level. So when I was just in Denver, I was struck. First of all, fucking awesome comedy scene. Yeah. Really, that occurs. Um, and, <laughs> and, uh, just talented and, and uh, I was really impressed with the women, particularly. Yeah. I was, will say I, I was, it was really cool to see. They're like me, you know, all the women that I saw were bold and gross and, you know, just, <laughs> I like that's how you describe yourself. Well, but for free, they were freer. You yeah. know, I feel like there's yeah. a little bit of a, um, I don't know. Really, you think? Do you think the women, the the women, just compare, It was almost huh. intimidating to me because I was like, oh well, it's not that interesting for me to be the way I am in Denver because look at all these women. Huh. These are, um, and and so I was awesome. I mean, yeah. they were really, but something that's happening in Denver, I think, is that they have uh, probably the scenes, I think, been stronger for longer, and they have people at all these levels. Yeah. Deep bench at all these, I don't know how many levels we want to say there are, seven, yeah. nine, whatever, all the levels that there are, there's people, and so and so the younger comics are getting to see and work with um, people who are really experienced and really funny, mm-hmm. and I think that we're getting, there's this, that's there's some missing pieces of that here where you know, because you also, you do compete with whoever is better than you. Yeah. And 
or you should be in your mind on some <laughs> level, not in a, not in a gross way, but just in this way of like, I want to be that good. Mm-hmm. I want to be better than that. Yeah. I want to get that, you know, and that gives you something to work toward. And once you climb, the, it's not that many steps to the top here. And then once you look around there, you're like, Oh, I don't have that much to be like inspired. I mean, there are t- still times when I do see, yeah. I, I see skills. I see things where I'm like, Oh yeah, I want to, I want to learn that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some of that, but just being in Denver, I was like, Oh yeah. There, the, watching these comics, I'm like, I would get better mm-hmm. now faster yeah. if I were in probably Denver, LA or New York. Yeah. I'm not sure that there's necessarily anywhere else that that's even true. Right, right. Um, so I do have, I do have that feeling now of like, and that's it, all the more reason I have to push myself in any way I can find because that it is very inspiring when you have people who are killing it on a level that you that's how I felt at Moon Tower you know watching these people I was like they're doing stuff that I I want to learn how to do that mm-hmm. and um and when you have that in your peer group it's very inspiring and very motivating and so I th- I wish that more people would stay here but I can see why yeah. people leave yeah. I'm I'm thinking about the Aaron Brooks school of thought um that that's why he left the St. Louis area because mm-hmm. he, you know, he, there was nobody better than him. Yeah. And so he came here to be challenged in that way. Uh, yeah. And now he's like one of the best here. Yeah. You know, so what do you do with that? Right. right. You know, um, and I think that that's why I'm like, that's why I think 2018 for me is the year of like, I can't actually move, but mm-hmm. I'm going to have to be gone a lot because I want to go hang out. With the people in L.A., New York, and Denver. Yeah. And, and I don't Chicago remains to be seen for me. Yeah. Because I haven't been there. Yeah. Um, huh. My cat is sitting on my notes, so can't mm-hmm. ask you any questions. <laughs> so, but maybe we can talk about what you've learned from comics. I feel like, um, are you, when you're asking them questions, I mean, have you been kind of piecing together some some theories of comedy in your mind or some things that have been surprising or... Um, I don't. I'm not prepared to answer that question. I, uh, I think every time I talk about some, uh, talk to somebody, I feel the way you were describing, where it's like, and especially now that I'm, I'm doing the open mics, I feel like, oh, okay, so maybe I'm not doing it wrong. I think the single biggest piece of advice that I've gotten from your podcast, because I thought it was just so weird and self indulgent to do it was to record Hmm. the sets because my experience is, and this is why I can't answer that question is I, I'm sometimes too present. So I might be, you know, doing my three minute set and I get off stage and I have no clue what happened. I don't have any idea if anybody responded. Um, I'm just assuming that it was a dead quiet room. So it's like, okay, well, that was just fun to be on stage for three minutes and uh, carry on with my day. So recording has been the one piece of advice. Thank you. Uh, that has helped me. If, like, if I am really interested in, in changing and refining the things that I do on stage. Um, so hearing that and giving myself permission to try the things that I hear and I'll 
I'll answer the the uh, you know what's the one piece of advice mm-hmm. question uh, at the same time that I didn't hear on a podcast, but I had interviewed Andrew Murphy and I uh, saw him at a show, and his one piece of advice was slow down, mm. give yourself that permission to slow down because I was very much and my background is as a presenter as a person who gives out speeches just professionally it's something that I've I've done and I'm a longtime Toastmaster did the speech and debate so I know how to give a speech yeah and that's the thing that um I've never given my pers- myself permission to slow down because I've got I've got material I've got to get through and give to this audience, and I love that piece of advice. And I I listen to people a lot more intently now. Like you're a very fast talker, mm-hmm. and it tells me that I would never tell you to slow down, mm-hmm. but find your definition of slowing down right because that's what's going to work like you could never tell i I don't know who besides you uh, i could point to as somebody who has a rapid delivery yeah that i would say well i would they would they would never succeed if they slow down yeah but they have their pace yeah no i was thinking about that because it's it's something that i've it's a piece of advice i've encountered and, and and thought about and but when, as I've moved in and really, I, I think, found my voice, um, I actually, it kind of sped me up in certain ways. Mm. Um, because instead of me kind of writing these jokes in a sort of Ellen um, mm. cadence, yeah. uh, I found that there were jokes that had worked. And then they would get stale. And part of what I realized that happened is that uh, once they become... They would become like someone else's joke mm-hmm. that, that, uh, and so I, when I would do the timing where it's like set up punchline, if I said it that way, it just, I didn't like it, yeah. the audience, whatever. But if I just said it in my own voice, which is, the, which is a faster, you know, mm-hmm. more rapid fire, more conversational, then it worked again. And, and so it's, it is something where it's like, I do think that I need to slow down in a way. Um, but I also think, yeah, for, for me, I was thinking about, so the other night on Monday, I was at the Craftsman, Louis Slendis has a show there that, um, that's really, really cool. The audience was awesome, and they were eating on the palm of my hand. I mean, it was really one of the, you know, I was yeah. like, this is the most fun show I've had in a while. <laughs> like, even if it's a 25-person total audience versus, a, but there's yeah. just these audiences that you just get on a wavelength. Yeah, yeah. And I thought about it, because there's times where I'm like... Oh man, I almost want to like stop and enjoy the laughter a little, but then I just have, you know, or like some people are even going to miss this punchline because mm-hmm. the laughter is so loud, but yeah. it just, you have to kind of, and so, but, but sitting with that and trying to find that rhythm of when do I wait this laugh out and when do I kind of go on? And, and I think that's the kind of muscle memory that'll continue to be refined over time. But I also think that right first walking out on stage, I'm not well because a lot of times what I do is walk up and immediately I'm saying something about what had just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but other times I watch people walk out and just take a moment, you know, and you know, move things yeah. and and look around and just get everyone's maybe curiosity and whatever, and then start. So that's something I wanted to toy with is especially if I don't have something to immediately respond to mm-hmm. or okay let's think if, if I just walked out and took that moment 
and was silent and looked around at everyone and kind of got everyone's eye and then I and then I responded to whatever there was I think that would work too right yeah 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 I was thinking about whatever you know there's no reason I couldn't yeah the, the this is from my my very early toastmasters days I was in a club where a a uh, miss I think she was a miss Texas pageant contestant and she she talked about the single most powerful thing that you're taught as a contestant is you walk up on the stage you don't start talking right away you kind of scan the audience to make you know eye contact and with, also check with everybody them out and to check them See out what's going on and then you take that first first uh, sentence or a word and, and that's how you command the presence right. and I think when you have to look confident when you do it you can't you walk out and yeah. look she, you can't look right. out and be like oh, I'm scanning to see because I'm scared of you all right. yeah. but if you walk out with confidence yeah. and you're clearly doing this on purpose yeah. if you clearly walk up you know with your shoulders back mm-hmm. and you and then you look around at everyone yeah and you know then I think that yeah, so that's something that I think I can slow down about and also <laughs> exiting the stage I've been doing this for three and a half years and I still leave like a I don't yeah. I've, I've had two graceful stage exits in this entire time um, and I don't know I mean part of me I've just excused it like oh it's part of my charm yeah, and right. I'm weird but yeah. but I think I could probably I probably at some point need to figure out yeah. how to um, just slow down with that mm-hmm. And say, you know, um, you know, so they're laughing at it at the closer, and then you're like, oh my god, it's been so much fun. You know, that's my like go to line right now. Um, thank you guys, and put the thing in, and then just kind of wave or something like that, mm-hmm. and then smile and walk up instead yeah. of me being like, <laughs> get the thing in the stand, and then like, bye, <laughs> you know. So that's what I'll try to work on this week. Uh, I don't know. I, you're probably going to kill me for saying this, oh, but uh, <laughs> you just had this. Uh, one of the things that I've learned from both uh, interviewing people and listening to Leading the Blind is uh, we are. <laughs> You don't have any firearms or... Cu- no. We are the Outback Steakhouse. There are no rules, just right. Like, oh. I've learned that... Like, I know that there are certain pet peeves that come out about moving the mic stand mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the way that you say... Uh, I've been so and so. Well, no, yeah. you're still so and so. You know, little little yeah. rules like that. But if you... And this is what happened to me uh, in Toastmasters... You're not supposed to to say um, right? Yeah, that's like big no no. Sometimes comedically, you you need it or you feel like you need it, but when you realize the rule, you're much more observant about whether or not people adhere to the rules or not. Yes. And I have found that the more I hear people being interviewed, and I think about their presence on stage and what they do on stage, I realize well. We might say there are these rules, but whatever they're doing to either break the rules or go by the rules, it's just right for them. Yeah, I, it, exactly. There's there is nothing hard and fast, and it's it's dumb to think that you have to do anything or not do anything with the microphone or what you say. Yeah. But I think that it is it is worth bringing up to people 
hey, have you thought about why are you saying how you doing when mm-hmm. you walk up? Please stop. Yeah. The, the only person that works for is if you go, you know, Danny Goodwin, how we doing? Yeah. You have to tell them that they're going to answer that question yeah. or else they're not going to answer that question. And then you're just going to feel awkward. Mm-hmm. Like Zach Brooks will, will kind of be like, how are we doing? And then he, he knows that they're going to be like, mm-hmm. and he's going to be like, all right, well, you know, he has his little way of doing that. Yeah. And so if you figure that out, sure. But if you just can't think of anything to say, yeah. Just just start a joke. You better you're better off starting a joke mm-hmm. than saying how you're doing to people who are going to go. Yeah. Right. Ooh. Yeah. You yeah. know. Um to me that's this but but yeah, th- that those you, you could call that a rule, but it's just think about whether think you about what you're about, first going to yeah. say. Just yeah. think about it. Watch other people and how how can you be doing this for these many years? And you don't have a, any game plan mm-hmm. for, 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 like, why would you, I don't know. That's, that's <laughs> probably my biggest pet peeve. It's even one of Bill Hicks' rules of comedy. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's a uh-huh. list of like 10 or 12, like, quote unquote commandments or something that's, he's mm-hmm. it's not really written that way, but it's just his pieces of advice yeah. about how he does it. And one of them is like, don't start with how you doing. Mm. Tell them how they're doing. Yeah. You know, or or say you yeah. don't have anything better to say. You know, but yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah. Sorry, not not to take away from your point that there are no rules. Yeah, uh, that's definitely li- true. And, and what I found is I like challenging rules sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I have, like the mic stand. To be honest, was the one thing that I has been, has scared the crap out of me <laughs> since day one. Like, what so do I do? With the, I know, but well, comedians make such a big deal about that rule. <laughs> I feel like they just are happy to have inside. You know, you're supposed to use move yeah. the mic stand. It's like, well, not if you're going to fidget with it on purpose, or yeah, yeah, yeah. or some people use it as a prop. Like yeah. it doesn't. It just figure out your relationship to the mic stand yeah, yeah. should be the rule. Right. Yeah. So I, I deliberately wrote or rewrote actually because I was having a really hard time with one of my jokes because as somebody who's used to. Sp- Speaking, public speaking and presentations, I've been trained, I have to use both hands. So it's mm-hmm. actually really constraining for me to yeah. just, you know, I have, I have the one hand holding the mic. So that cuts me in half, basically, of what I've been trained to do. So I challenge myself to, to make, change an element where in the middle of the set, I actually put the mic yes. back on the stand so do that I can movements. use, do mm-hmm. my movements and then take it back. And I'm like, okay, well, that was, you know, I did it. And I didn't die. Yeah. So yeah, it was really. It is about work. Make figuring out your relationship. To well, you watch. I mean, if you watch Mike Birbiglia's latest thing, he does that many times. A lot of all good comics, in a lot of times, do need to use both mm-hmm. hands and will move the mic stand, put it back. I think when you're new, and especially if you only have three or four minutes, then it's harder to get around to it. It's also yeah. you're so nervous and you're yeah. so your body's shaking. Yeah. Once you, it takes a while. And so I think that's one of those things where yeah, you tell people in their first couple of years. Hey, just move the mic stand. Just yeah. get rid of it. Deal with it. And then once they get more comfortable on stage, you can start telling people, Hey, yeah, mm-hmm. bring, and now bring it back when you're going to tell a joke where yeah. you're using your hands, put it. And then if, if you have time still, you can put it away. You can use it to signal that the end, end of your set is coming. And so now mm-hmm. people are going to know to laugh harder at your last joke if they'd like you to leave with any <laughs> dignity. Um, if they like you at all, they'll give you a little boost. It's actually, that's yeah. a good little trick, yeah. right? Especially yeah. after a long set. Um, when you tell people if they're on your side, the crowd likes you, then if you tell them, I'm going to do one more joke and get out of here, you know, you kind of, or you're going like, guys, I got to wrap this up. You're moving the mic stand. Then they're 
they're ready to applaud louder, yeah. laugh louder, and yeah. you can, um, you know, have a good closer that way, mm-hmm. even if it, even if it's not the best closer. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, ideally it's also a good joke, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we're, we're, we're gonna start winding down. Have you asked the questions that you've, you've wanted to? I don't know. I I really just wanted to know because you're doing this as a fan, but you're interviewing all these people. Mm-hmm. It, it just really, if there was anything that had surprised you, um, uh, uh, that people had said, you know, uh, I've gotten to the point where I'm I'm rarely surprised. I know there are occasions where it comes out that I'm oh I'm really surprised that you've said that. I think. Maybe a most notable one is a is an unpleasant surprise where because uh, I have adored Kath Barbadaro since you know 2012 when I first saw her yeah. and she told me on here because I hadn't heard it out on the street that she was moving and I was like uh, oh no pause yeah because <laughs> I I just had the, a, a weird uh, personal relationship to seeing her because it was after my divorce and she really helped me like. Yeah, just because as strong as powerful of a presence as she is, it was like really well, helpful. She's, so. she's one of those people who we learned from, I learned from, and that was you know was inspiring and was at another level. Mm-hmm. That you know, losing her in the scene, yeah, it's definitely one of those things where it's yeah. like crap. Right now, yeah. now who the newer comics, you know, yeah. that's just one more person, and, and not just the newer, but for me, you know, mm-hmm. to lose someone who is better than me. I, sucks every time I you know the first at first the first wave where that happens you're like oh a little bit more room at the top Mm -hmm. for me and then and then after the first I was like oh no I'm losing that person I'm losing them I'm losing my inspirations I'm losing my my healthy competition I'm losing the people who really make these shows awesome and so I mean hopefully hopefully more people will continue Mm -hmm. to get better and better hopefully people will move here but yeah um, we're gonna have to do something about it if we want people to stay and I mean it's going to be we need money we need industry we need people making cool doing cool projects Um, I mean there are people that are like you who are are essentially bound to Austin there are people that are at incredible levels that do make a a a point of staying here in Austin and You know, maybe that's we'll just get more and more of those. I, I don't know. I think so. There's some things that um, that are bubbling under the surface too that mm-hmm. are that are potentially going to help um, keep Austin growing. Yeah, so that's what I would like to see. If this stupid population is going to keep getting higher, it's yeah. only worth it if we, we and we need the population to to get higher if we want to have a big a big scene yeah. a big city yeah. scene. Yeah. Um, so I can't resent it too much, but I will resent it if our if our comedy scene doesn't mm-hmm. grow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I can extend my answer to things that have surprised me, it is uh, often surprising how nice people are willing to be to, you know, make the trek out here. I mean, I, I will sometimes go out We're to people. just attention whores, but that's well, <laughs> very sweet of you to, to give us that credit. And then I just, I feel, I get so much uh, joy and happiness out of sitting down and talking with somebody. I think I'm, you know, attention deprived and so I just love being able to talk to somebody and feel like a little bit of a psychoanalyst with Mm. them and I don't know if you get that vibe as much from from your podcast but for me I feel like I delve into the psychological and really you you're surprised that people like laughing at you I mean you're you're so funny Mm -hmm. and kind of that element of people uh, being willing to reveal 
flaws or, or you know, internal weaknesses that they have. And, you know, I, I like my job as a cheerleader. Just You're just making me think of what a great podcast would be to have, um, like, a psychologist just interview comedians. Oh, or not interview, but, like, do therapy yeah. with. Like, oh, that, my gosh. What a great... <laughs> We're editing this out. And, yeah, <laughs> so no one steals it. Yeah. Who, do we, who do we know? Who do we know? Oh, man. Yeah, we should totally do that. Maybe we can just be, like, pseudo. Can I mean, I have a psychology degree. <laughs> I I was a psychology major for one semester. Does that okay, count? Well, All right, let's do it. What we, do we call you know it? what? The, the term psychotherapist isn't regulated, um, so we can put that on business cards legally. Oh. We cannot be sued for that. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm really invested in this idea. Psycho the rapist? No, that no. that won't work. Uh, okay. Well, I like where you're going. <laughs> oh, that would be great. That's a good podcast, okay. That is a good podcast. I don't think you can put rapist in the title no, on yeah. iTunes, well, but no. even if it's a pun. <laughs> Probably wouldn't wouldn't work too well. Right. No. So the, the, so no. the rapist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just resurrected that old joke in such a beautiful way. <laughs> That's an old joke. I see, oh, well, like no. the rape is. It, well, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah. I don't think like Jeopardy or something. There's you know, a meme too. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, but just I don't know, just seeing a really weird clown in my head when you see that psycho the rapist. Anyway, the well, IT clown with a red Pennywise with a red balloon. The psycho. Oh man. Okay. okay. Do you think we should stop? Well, yeah, we'll move <laughs> I on. Mean, with a, yeah. All right. You do what you want with that. <laughs> With that radio time. Uh, any other questions you want to ask? Um, well, I mean, I need to... W- w- which episode of your podcast would you most highly recommend for me to go back and listen to? And mm. for the listeners, obviously. Especially in I terms of... pick one. Like, especially if in terms of... And feel free to do more. Um, either career stuff or people's process. I don't know whose process you've gotten into their material and whatever process. No slight to anybody else because I hate picking a favorite child. They're all your favorites, obviously, equally. Yeah. Um, And and this is a little bit pandering, but uh, the Dave Hill episode, I think, is instructive from the perspective of don't say no because you never know where things might take you. And that is, you know, that's probably more for somebody in that three plus level, because obviously in the one to zero to three level, you're not getting a ton of invitations to do stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, Although that's not even necessarily true. There's so much happening here that in your that you you do get asked to do stuff, and yeah, yeah say yes, even if you heard someone making fun of some show or whatever. Yeah. Um, I thought the Aaron Brooks interview. I'm sure that was good. And Pat Dean. You know, everybody gives him so much grief, but he was, oh, (laughs) he was really insightful in his interview. And I, I probably should have him back because so much has changed for him. And he was, he was fairly early on in the comedy wham day. So, I mean, we're talking Uh, a year and a half. Gotcha. Um, and I thought he was pretty insightful and, uh, now really pandering. I think your interviews were like jam packed of, you know, ambition basically. Mm. And, And, because some people they don't come off as as ambitious and like really kind of goal oriented and and thinking about the future in a very specific way and it's okay to 
I mean, I know comedy is about, oh, you know, yuck, yuck, let's laugh it up. But there's a career element if you're really serious about it as a career. Yeah, I think some people want to seem cool mm-hmm. um, a lot more than I do. Yeah. I don't. I, that's not a goal. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you can't be a tryhard and cool at the same time, basically. And yeah. I'm a tryhard. Mm-hmm. And that's... Yeah, it's just, I, uh, I, I would like create a safe space in my conversations anyway for tryhards yeah. because I think they're, I think it's actually a little bit, I don't want to use the word cancerous, but not healthy uh, for the Austin comedy scene for too many people to be too cool about it because, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're trying to, this is a very, if, if you want this to be your career, yeah. this is a really difficult career to have. Mm-hmm. You can't really play anything cool. You have to right. really, whatever that means for you, because you, you can try hard in ways that are obnoxious and not mm-hmm. funny. Um, but it, this takes an enormous amount of work and yeah. sacrifice in order to make this work. So um, there's really nothing cool about how many hours you have to put in. Yeah. There's really nothing cool about you know how many bad gigs you got to do to learn from them you know but if you don't love this then well yeah you'll say you'll quit it'll be fine right (laughs) hopefully yeah and and nobody's experience is going to be oh you know great great shows every single time and and or the flip oh my god i bomb all the time (laughs) i mean clearly one path is (laughs) clearer than the other but you know it goes in waves and uh, looping back to something that you were talking about earlier and how you've gotten to the point where you don't write out your sets ahead of time you know it comes in waves like you kind of I'm doing hand motions here that signal a wave and it's kind of like you kind of bounces around but then it has a progression in a certain direction exactly exactly it's moving it's generally in a trajectory going one way but but there's ups and downs and yeah so then I'll start backsliding into more set list making and more playing it safe basically Mm -hmm. and then I something happens that makes me go oh right I don't want to do that yeah because if you're serious then you got it you do are you do need to constantly make changes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, ABC, cool. always be changing. There you go. Oh, man. I got to stop while I'm ahead. Okay. So let's talk about uh, shows you have coming up and what you would like to promote. The Altercation Comedy Festival is happening. So my night is the September 30th. Okay. Then I'll be doing a show at Kick Butt. Also, of course, October 5th. You got to come out to Off Script at New Movement at nine thirty. Drinks, pizza, prizes. It's really so much fun. The lineup's awesome too. It's Pat Dean, Karina Magyar, Taylor Dowdy, Jimmy Tibbs, and Bob Pastravi. Oh, nice! Yeah, this is gonna be <laughs> awesome. And by the time this episode comes out, hopefully, uh, my Gender Fluids podcast will be up. Uh-huh. If not, it will be up. Soon, but mm-hmm. I'll, that'll, I'll make that my goal that we'll have the first episode up and hopefully it'll be on iTunes and, um, Stitcher and everything else. Um, but and that's co-hosted with Austin Smart. Very nice. Very, very exciting. Also follow me on YouTube. Just, on YouTube? You know, I don't have that many subscribers, but it's something I'm trying to build. But I do put out little videos every now and then, especially of when there's just something fun and silly that happened or a short joke. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my user ID, like I have to get more followers so that I can tweak it and make it like 
uh, I can where I can change the URL or something. But if you just oh. search Ariel Norman, A R I E L L E, um, then just you'll find me and you can subscribe to me. Okay. I think it's also I think it actually is YouTube.com slash Ariel Norman, but. Yeah, just you know, just Google or YouTube. Yeah, uh, search, search. Yeah, that's what yeah. those are called. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'm Twitter at poop tampon. Yeah, I made a note about you changed that. Yeah, it's, Wait. it's cleaner yeah. than it used to be. Yeah. So. <laughs> so the therapist joke really wasn't too far off the mark. <laughs> I'm about really to start therapy too. It. So oh, shout out to my new therapist. Congratulations um, if you're listening. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here, just listen to this, and that'll substitute yeah, well, all the forms that I have to fill out ahead of time. There you go. <laughs> oh, maybe she'll agree to do the podcast. <laughs> oh, she can be our first guest. Yeah. <laughs> In our psycho, the rapist. We'll call it reverse psychology. Or reversed psychology. That was a project oh. I wanted to have once where... Like it was like a YouTube series where you would tell your problems and then let people um, write in the message board what uh-huh. you should do about it or something. Uh. We can do something with this. You know? Anyway, uh, I'm going to do my traditional close. Do you want to do anything that's focused for the leading the blind audience, or are you going to do that? Uh, you, you do I'll probably the up front and up back uh, on the back side stuff. Um. Well. <laughs> <laughs> if you're doing your conclusion, uh-huh. I'll just say goodbye afterwards. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Well, we hope you've enjoyed learning for the second time how Ariel got to be the comedic genius, podcaster, uh, everything, uh, pretty much everything that you heard today, just as much as I have. Be sure to visit ComedyWham.com. Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at ComedyWham. And like our Facebook page. You can listen to past interviews on Stitcher, Google Play, and iTunes, and review us while you're at it. This has been Comedy Wham Presents, Ariel Norman. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Ariel. Thank you. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed the crossover podcast with Valerie Lopez and Comedy Wham. That was a lot of fun. I hope you got uh, good new things out of it. And check her podcast out in the future. She's always interviewing comedians and people related to the comedy scene here in Austin. And she asks you know, different kinds of questions than I do. Um, So there's a lot to learn. Now, if you're listening to this show today, Thursday, the 28th, the day it releases, I am on the Alamo Laugh House show tonight at the Alamo Draft House on Wes Anderson. It's going to be a really cool show with Scott Sticker hosting and Austin Smart, Christina Parrish, and Larry Garza uh, and me all doing sets. So that's always a good time. Come out to that. And then on Saturday night, I am hosting the show at 9 p.m. at Kick Butt for the Altercation Comedy Festival. Um, you just should come out to all the Altercation Festival shows that you can, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, Kyle Kinane's going to be there. I don't know if you've heard. You check that out. Now, I've got a really fun week coming up the following week. So on October the 3rd, I'll be headlining Punch again at 8 at CAP. So come out to that. Um, On Wednesday the 4th, I've got a show at 9 o'clock at Flamingo Cantina, and then at 10 o'clock I'll be on The Sting. And if you haven't come to, if you haven't seen the uh, show The Sting at King B at 12th and Chacon, you really, really, really should come out and see that. It is 
a super fun show and the pizza and cocktails are awesome and then of course on Thursday October 5th come out and see Off Script at 9.30 and then go to Spike Club right after alright bye national